Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. Hello everyone, welcome to Healing the Spirit and welcome to this episode. I am excited to share with you my contemplation for the week of May 15th, 2023 and a couple things before we start. As always, I encourage you to tune inwards as you are listening to this, allow your own information to bubble forth and allow my words and my contemplation and the space that we are creating here to serve as inspiration for your own knowing to come forward and allow this knowing to be the primary guidance for your path in the coming week. And the other thing I want to mention also is that if you happen to have found this episode outside of May 15th, um, consider that maybe there's something here, even though the astrology is no longer what I'm talking about here, that maybe some of the messages will resonate with you. All right, so let's get to it. Um, we have a pretty busy week astrologically, so I would like to do a little bit of a rundown. On Monday the 15th, Mars in Cancer will try Neptune in Pisces. On Tuesday the 16th, Jupiter will enter Taurus. On Wednesday the 17th, Jupiter will square Pluto, which is currently retrograde in Aquarius. On Thursday, the 18th, Sun in Taurus will sextile Neptune in Pisces. On Friday, the 19th, Mercury in Taurus will sextile Saturn in Pisces. And we will also have a new moon in Taurus um, while Venus is in Cancer, right? Because Venus is the ruler of both the Sun and the Moon in Taurus. On Saturday, Mars will enter Leo. And it will also oppose Pluto. And on Sunday, the 21st, the sun will enter Gemini and the sun will also trine Pluto. So as you can see, this is quite a busy week. Every single day we have a major aspect and we also have three planets moving signs, right? So Jupiter moving from Aries to Taurus, Mars moving from Cancer to Leo, and then the sun moving from um, Taurus to Gemini, right? So before I go further, I just want to say I have been thinking about the rulership of the planets that are currently in the sky. So let's talk about, you know, right now, right? As I'm speaking, and maybe you're listening to this on Monday, right? Um, let's talk about the planets and the signs that they're in and the planets that are ruling that that planet and see what we kind of call the final dispositor in astrology, right? So currently, we have the Sun and Mercury in Taurus, which answers to Venus in Cancer, right? And Cancer is a sign that's ruled by the Moon, right? And so Sun, Mercury um, eventually leads to the Moon, right? And Venus. And then Mars in Cancer is obviously answering to the Moon. And then Saturn in Pisces and answers to Jupiter in Aries, right, which answers to Mars in Cancer, which also then kind of answers to the moon, right? And then we are moving, and obviously, you know, 
uh, Mars moving from Cancer to Leo is going to have a huge impact because Mars is what we call fallen in Cancer. So there may be more movement. You know, Leo is also a fire sign, right, as opposed to Cancer, which is a water sign. Um, so, you know, with, with Mars moving into Leo, um, it will be answering later in the week, at least to the Sun in Gemini, which answers to Mercury in Taurus. But that still, you know, Mercury and Taurus still answers to Venus and Cancer, and then it still answers to the moon, right? So there can be the sense of, you know, you may have experienced this, especially, you know, with the eclipse season, with Mercury being in retrograde, that a lot of things kind of feel unclear. With the eclipses, it may feel like so much is moving through us, so much is being stirred up. So much is being activated, but there may not have been a lot of resolution. Or maybe the resolutions that are there seems a little nonsensical, or it may just seem like, what's the point of moving through all of this, you know? And with Mercury also being in retrograde, things may feel a little unclear. Like you may not even be able to fully articulate what just happened, right? And if that's been the case, I also want to affirm that you are not going crazy, which, you know, lunacy is also a lunar word, right? A, a moon word, because the final dispositor of the chart at the moment is the moon. And despite all of these movements, right, in the coming week, I forgot to mention that um, Jupiter will also be moving into Taurus, right, which still answers to Venus in Cancer and answers to the moon again, right? There is still you know, the moon is still kind of the final dispositor in the sky, right? So things may feel still lunar, still hidden. The unconscious is still there. There may still be a sense of mysteriousness. But I think there is still a little bit of a temperature change, right? Um, with all of these aspects, right, being activated every single day of the week, planets changing signs, I think we will feel that this is us working with ultimately the realm that feels lunar, but in a slightly different way, right? Um, Mars entering Leo and Sun entering Gemini adds more to traditional planets being in diurnal signs, right? Being in signs that are active, signs that are in fire and air. Um, and this is also a week where even though Mercury is still kind of moving pretty slowly, right, it's no longer retrograde. So um, I want to share, you know, kind of more specific contemplations to the week and also more general contemplation, like more macro level. And first, I'm going to start with the macro level. Thinking about when we have a week where there are a lot of moving ahead, there's a lot of forward motion energy. Um, some of us may have experienced that the eclipse kind of showed us where the healing is, right? Where maybe we can close certain chapters. This week, there's permission to not only bundle up the trash into like a nice bag, right? But for many of us, we'll also be shown where the receptacle is, where the compost bin is. The eclipse and Mercury retrograde combined 
plus the sky kind of all answering to a final dispositor that is the moon may feel like moving in circles and moving in spirals right and i think as i mentioned even with the shifts we are still kind of ultimately answering to the moon right so we are still kind of in the spiral however with these changes, at least on a collective, energetic, cosmic level, we are moving ahead, right? We are moving with a slightly different attitude, with a slightly different style, right? Um, a recurring theme that I've heard from friends, from family members, from colleagues, from clients is this realization that something is no longer working. Usually this kind of shows up as it used to be really easy, it used to be really flowing, but now all of these problems are coming up, right? I need to make a change because what used to work clearly is no longer working now. Or I don't even know how to be myself anymore in these situations, even if a few months ago I was totally okay with this, right? Another theme that I heard recurring was, you know, something felt a little off in my life. Maybe a person that I was close to, my work, dreams that mattered to me, relationships that used to mean a lot, identities that I hold on to. And suddenly, just like that, I just kind of lost interest. These things are no longer important, right? My mind still doesn't fully know what the fuck is going on, right? But on a being level, on a body level, immediately I just kind of let go. You know, I just lost interest, which I think is interesting, right? Because this really speaks to another dimension of this experience, which is that we're working with a vacuum, right? There may be um, a place within us, right? There's um, a sense that where an identity, a job, a relationship used to be, now there's a hole, right? And while this can be scary... I think the energy cosmically and collectively is such that we will very quickly see this vacuum being filled up if we're open to it, right? It may be filled up with something that we like, but it may also be filled up with something that we don't like or we don't like yet, right? It may be filled up with something strange. Maybe we don't even realize that it's being filled up. Maybe it's being filled up by something so subtle that you're not even consciously aware that it's being filled up. So I feel like what's important in these threshold moments, in these transition moments, these tem temperature or rhythmic changes is that you let yourself notice and kind of go along with the right, right, without being too attached to what the outcome of the changes will be. When I tune into the coming week, the first and what I felt is the most important guidance that came through was to allow yourself to be guided one step at a time. And this is hard precisely because our minds like to map everything out, right? We live in a world where a lot of things and a lot of how our realities are constructed rely upon very precise mapping. I recently have been noticing, you know, a few years ago, before Google Maps is uh, the norm, people had to memorize the road. People had to take out their map, figure out where they're going, right? Trial and error is a thing. Um, 
misremembering something is a thing. And now with Google Maps, you just listen. They tell you, turn left, turn right, right? <laughs> so there is, um, I think for a lot of us, even more of a propensity to becoming accustomed to certainty. And when we are so used to having certainty in various areas of our lives, uh, two things can happen, right? One is we become so accustomed to certainty that anything that's uncertain feels really scary. Or for others, and I would say I probably belong to the second category, I find that the more my life has certainty in terms of what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis, the more I can have space for mystery, the more I can have space for creativity, right? And yet, it is still really difficult, right? Really allowing yourself to be guided on a step-by-step -step basis without knowing the full picture, um, without knowing the whole story, is a practice because it's a practice of trust, right? Um, so how do we increase our capacity for distrust? I think that a practice that can be really helpful is really filling yourself up with your own energy, with your own information, with your thoughts, with your desires, etc. And a practice that I've been finding really helpful in doing this in separating myself kind of from my environment, right, which... Um, you know, may seem a little weird, right? Because for some of us, we may feel like, yeah, of course I'm separate from my environment. And for others, you may be so used to being merged with your environment, with the people around you, with the things that you're doing, with your surroundings, your local communities, that you're not even aware that separation is possible. For many of us who feel the world around us deeply and who are attuned to kind of the feelings and the needs of people around us, it can be so easy to notice everything else except ourselves, right? I bet you've been in this situation where maybe someone that you love is really upset. And in that moment, you can't even feel into your own ability to kind of be, you know, okay in the moment. Because this is what I found at least when people who are close to me are really upset about something, when I return back to myself, usually I'm not as upset as them or there's like a, a gap, right, in my experience versus their experience. And it can be really challenging to notice that third space, right, between me and the person that I care about. It may feel like I'm totally living that experience right now, and it can feel like you are completely immobilized because you're just, you're not really living your own reality in that, in that time, right, in that particular moment. So in this practice of kind of separating myself from my environment, what I do is I literally notice myself. Right? I notice how the air feels against my skin. I notice how it feels to let my breath go in and out. I notice this distinction between the boundaries of myself versus my environment. And essentially, in noticing the separation, what naturally starts happening is I start coming back to myself. I start filling up myself with 
myself. I also like to use my own voice. So, you know, thinking about how the voice is totally unique to you, right? Like literally nobody else in the universe has your very specific frequency in terms of your voice, right? So whenever you hum or whenever you sing or whenever you even just make a little noise, right? Know that that frequency is unique. And so when I allow myself to feel somatically, even as I'm speaking right now, the frequency of my voice filling up my bones, filling up the waters in my body, filling up my organs, my skin, my crevices, right? I start to kind of come back to myself. I start to come back to the experience of being me in this lifetime. So why am I recommending this practice? When a lot is shifting, it really kind of behooves us to feel this distance between ourselves and the world around us. You may find that with the astrology, with the energy of the coming week, there are a lot of invitations. There are a lot of opportunities, ripples, right? And so the practice of filling yourself up can really help you move from a space of authenticity, right? So what authenticity means is that you get to respond as who you are today, who you are right now, rather than responding from the space of what others expect of you or what you think others expect of you or what, you know, that the places or the modes that you're so used to responding from, like your default modes, right? So I want to really quickly put this into practice, right? And you can do this however you want. This is an exercise that is so simple and yet I think so crucial. And you can do this while you're driving, while you are talking to another person while you're taking a shower, really, this is not a practice that takes you outside of your body, right? So if you want, you can do this right now. This is some some kind of meditation, right? But um, my invitation is for you not to close your eyes, for you to be exactly, you know, don't change anything about the way that you are right now, but just notice your environment. Notice... Um, if you are holding on to maybe a phone or an object, notice how that part of your skin, that part of your body is not the object. Notice the spaces between you and the objects or the people that are around you. Notice the space between your skin and perhaps the clothes you're wearing. Notice the, spe the specific experience that is you. Now let go of that focus attention and kind of come back to this experience. Notice if anything has shifted for you. And my recommendation is for you to kind of allow yourself to do this, right? continually during the day. I also, when I'm talking to another person, which is where for me personally, I tend to kind of like to really merge or be inside the experience of the person that I'm talking to. What's been really helpful is just noticing 
some separations, right? Noticing how the size of my eyes are different than the size of their eyes. Noticing how their lips are not my lips, their hairs are not my hairs, or their hands are not my hands, right? And notice that space between you and the other person. For some of us, this may feel really activating. There may be a lot of mental stories around if I separate from my environment or from the people that are that are around me, that makes me selfish, right? Or that this practice maybe perpetuate individuality, right? Without caring for the greater collective. You may find all kinds of activations coming up within you. And if you happen to experience that, right? First of all, I want to just share that I also have this program running. Like every single time I allow myself to separate from my environment and consciously focus on my own perception, my own experience, there's kind of a sadness or a grief or a certain level of discomfort that descends into my field, right? I want to normalize this. This is totally okay. For many of us, this comes from programming, literally. We've either been taught to consistently be in another space, energetically or mentally or emotionally, to make sure that they're okay so that we can feel safe. Or we've straight up been told that when we separate, when we have our own experience, we're being selfish. So this will take some time, you know. But for me personally, at least, once I kind of got used to this, I find that especially when my environment is shifting and new things are kind of coming into my field, I'm having so much more access to um, making decisions and moving from a place that feels in alignment with me at that moment, that feels in affinity, that feels like um, really honoring of my own agency, while also at the same time, I have much more access to compassion, right? To um, connection. And everything just kind of feels more easeful. So more specifically, on the astrology side of things, we are looking at three major ingresses. Jupiter is moving from Aries into Taurus. Mars is moving from Cancer to Leo. And the Sun moving from Taurus to Gemini. So we have Jupiter being in the sign of fixed Earth. Mars going into fixed fire, and the sun moving into mutable air. And so the question that I am offering up for all of us to contemplate for the coming week is, how can we expand our capacity for taking action based on our inspiration? And how can we expand our capacity to follow up on our curiosities, right? So what structures are necessary for inspiration? What adjustments do we need as we allow in more curiosity within our relationships with ourselves and with others. And to me, the word capacity is really connected to Taurus, right? Uh, Inspiration is connected to Leo, and Gemini is connected with curiosity. And inspiration and curiosity, for me, they're deeply interwoven, To me, being inspired is a state that often we just kind of stumble upon when we follow our curiosities, right? And I think one thing to also note is that we have mentally, I think as a collective, we have a certain 
image of what inspiration or being inspired looks like, right? Um, there's a really famous story that Elizabeth Gilbert told about the poet Ruth, Ruth Stone. And apparently Ruth would uh, feel a poem kind of coming to her and she would run across the fields where she used to work and to live um, and she would try to catch the poem before it's too late, right? And we kind of have this idea of artists that experience inspiration as this bolt of lightning that they kind of need to translate really quickly, right? Um, I'm sure you've heard countless musicians say, yes, my greatest hit was written in five minutes or something like that, right? And I am not discounting any of that. I think that's a very real experience. I've definitely experienced that myself. And also... I've experienced that inspiration or the state of being inspired isn't necessarily always spontaneous. That the spontaneous kind of inspired state isn't necessarily better than uh, the more, the slow burn type of inspiration, right? Um, a lot of the times, in fact, for me, inspiration is more of a slow simmer. You gather one piece at a time, one information at a time, one phrase at a time, you change one habit at a time, you create maybe vision boards on your Pinterest, you create uh, all these journal entries, right, about the thing that fascinates you, and you allow yourself to not work with a mental map, right? So similar to what I was sharing earlier, I think the point here is to really allow yourself to not operate from a fixed mental framework or a fixed mental um, pathway or itinerary, but rather give yourself permission to kind of gather one piece at a time, right? You let the inspiration drip one fragment at a time. And then there would sometimes be a time when everything finally kind of coalesce and you are ready to ride on the flow of that inspiration. So my invitation is for you to make space for this, right? Even though, and actually maybe I should say, especially because we are moving through this very lunar time, I think that, you know, the moon is the fastest moving planet in astrology, right? The moon touches upon every single point in your chart, every single month or rather more precisely every 28 days right so the moon isn't about making these huge changes right the moon is about making slow small progress the moon looks like feeding your altar right uh one day at a time um creating a daily writing practice that doesn't have to be this huge um thing that maybe is just something that you come back to as a touch point, right? Maybe pulling cards a couple times a day to kind of note how you're feeling and tracking how you're feeling, right? Setting aside 10 minutes each day, 30 minutes each day for whatever it is that you are curious about. Maybe you are currently um, learning astrology, right? Give yourself a little space, not from a place of... Um, 
giving yourself or or commanding yourself from this place of like i should do this right but rather from like a place of like what do i want to explore today and you might find that as you ask this question of what do i feel like exploring today you might find a couple things one is that the answer may really surprise you that maybe each day you kind of have different interests or different um curiosities that may not seem totally linked to one another and you might also find that you know and this is something that i always find in my life personally that i don't have enough space to do that <laughs> that i have filled up my calendar you know every single single minute on my calendar tends to be accounted for you know and so i no longer really have space to follow the things that are um Peaking my curiosity that sometimes I don't even know what inspiration feels like because I don't always know how curiosity feels like. And so I feel that with this transit, there is an invitation to see curiosity as a gateway to a state of flow, a state of being inspired, right? Allow the act of following your curiosity to be a daily or multiple times daily meditation. My favorite thing to do, just to kind of ground it into reality, is nowadays I've been really interested in allowing myself to be more curious in conversations. So instead of jumping into my own conclusions, giving advice, which, you know, obviously I love to do because I have a podcast, um, I'm giving myself a little bit of extra space to create conversations by asking questions, right? So it's interesting because I'm noticing that when I'm recording conversations for this podcast specifically, they always seem to go beautifully in, in podcast recordings. Um, exchanges are always really easeful and I'm always deeply inspired by whoever it is that happens to be my guest because I'm not super interested in challenging my guests. One of the things that I have allowed to be a philosophy for um, doing interviews, doing conversations, recording them, and then sharing them in a podcast format is that I let myself be totally and completely relieved of this pressure to correct people, to argue with people. I find that conversations um, are truly incredible when I don't, when I don't f give in to the pressure of feeling like I have to change another person's mind or that I have to question them somehow, right? That space opens up and then I get to really enjoy and bask in the glory of the fullness of expression, the wholeness of expression that my guests are here to bring. And that space, right, of allowing space for the other person also opens up space for myself. And it, it really leads me down a path of um, creativity, a flow of being inspired. And so this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about expanding our capacity for being inspired, right? And taking action based on our inspiration. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about 
increasing our capacity, expanding our capacity to follow up on our curiosities. I do think that with Mars moving into Leo and the Sun moving into Gemini, both of them being uh, day signs, you know, or diurnal signs, right? Or, um, you know, I don't really like the masculine, feminine, and binary, but I know that a lot of people would use, you know, that these are both masculine signs or kind of active signs. What I think is probably true is that there is more space to kind of follow up on our um, inklings, on our um, yearnings, more so than in the past few weeks. You may find with the eclipses, with Mercury retrograde, that things are kind of uh, stalled or maybe thwarted a little bit, right? Um, that now if you give yourself a chance to kind of explore and move in that direction, you might find that reality responds to you in a slightly different way. And so when you give yourself space, right, to expand into inspiration, to expand into curiosity, and to consider the possibility that curiosity may be the gateway for inspiration, I think what will probably happen is that at least for myself, I tend to feel like I'm doing a lot less, but I'm getting a lot more done. <laughs> Not that productivity is the end game, right? But giving yourself space to not feel so stuck in plotting out every step of the journey, in giving yourself space to be more spontaneous, to be a little more erratic maybe, might be kind of the way to go with this particular energy. So consider that, especially if you are someone who really likes to um, have everything kind of planned out and clearly laid out, that maybe for this coming week, let yourself be a little nimble and see what happens when you make space for that nimbleness because that flexibility may really lead you to seeing your own genius and seeing um, the wealth of inspiration that's present in your reality. I also pulled a card for all of us. I just pulled one card from the Moon Child Tarot. And uh, this card is the Nine of Pentacles. And this is such a fabulous pull because immediately as I pulled this card, the word that came into my mind is abundance. And I don't feel like this is necessarily limited to the kind of abundance that comes from having a lot of money or having unlimited resources or having unlimited access to certain kinds of assistance, right? But I think this is really the kind of abundance we feel when we are gazing at the sand in the beach, right? Or we're gazing at the stars up in the skies or we're looking at how much water... Um, is present when we have a rainy day, right? It's the kind of abundance that is about really enjoying our relationship as the child of the universe, as the child of nature. In this card, you see the figure kind of dancing. The figure is alone, as is the case in the Rider-Waite-Smith. And then behind this figure, there are the elements, right? And when you look at the picture of the elements, it looks really glorious, you know, but it's also not like this, um, like insanely lit up, 
uh, figure or this insanely lit up like scenery, right? It's not necessarily celebratory or joyous, but it's about finding joy, finding space, finding movement in whatever is already present, right? Nature just is. How might your capacity for inspiration, for curiosity expand when you choose to believe that there's an infinite number of great ideas in the universe? That care, that love, that compassion is always available. And it doesn't really matter whether that care or love or compassion comes from within or without or which ever source, right? You are probably mentally expecting care, love, and compassion to come from. Nine of Pentacles, to me, is always a reminder that confidence is available when we choose to spend some time focusing in our attention, dilating our attention, attuning to the infinite possibilities and the spirit-level resources in our reality. In the earlier example I gave about allowing myself to ask questions, I find that most people including myself, a lot of the times our interactions, what we truly, truly need from our social interactions, from our conversations, is to see and to feel seen. And sometimes in order to feel the most seen, the best thing you can do at increasing your chances to be seen is to fully see. Because One of my teachers once upon a time said something along the lines of people are only as good as you give them the chance to be, you know? And so when we give others the benefit of our curiosity, what will tend to happen is that they open up and they show you the wealth of who they are, right? The universe as channeled through them the universe as reflected through the unique prism that their being um, emanates. And so in experiencing that, I tend to feel that there's also a certain level of entanglement, that we also feel more relaxed to open up and to be our full selves and to create an environment, a situation where we can see the abundance of wisdom, the abundance of gifts that the universe has for us through each of us. All right, that is it by way of contemplations. I hope that some of these contemplations are helpful for you in reflecting upon your own lives and your own experiences. As always, if you feel like you would benefit from having someone hold space for you. If you feel like you would benefit from an astrology or an Akashic reading, I am available for readings. I would love to see you one-on-one. And also, if you have been enjoying this podcast, I would love to receive a review from you. It's been so lovely to receive some reviews from those of you who have been tuning into this podcast. Thank you so, so much for leaving reviews. And Um, Yeah, I really appreciate it. Reviews are super helpful because they help this podcast get further out there. They help other people find this podcast. And yeah, this podcast is truly my passion project. It is available totally free of charge. And um, 
yeah, I just really love sharing um, these contemplations with you and uh, the conversations that I have with my fabulous guests. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you have a beautiful week. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Take good care of yourselves. Thank you.